Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. We are a church with a mission of inspiring ordinary people to live extraordinary lives for Christ. It really doesn't matter who you are, what you have done, or how you choose to worship. You belong here. We pray that this week's sermon blesses you and that you feel God's presence through it today. So today we're starting one of those sermon series that I believe really does have the power to not only transform us for the better, but it has the the power to transform our community and even the world called one another. And what we're going to be doing in this important series is exploring the many different places in the Bible where God teaches us to practice one anothering instead of Othering. And to get at what I mean when I refer to othering and one anothering, because it can be confusing at first. Othering is the process by which a person or a group is excluded by pointing out perceived differences. We're really good at doing this as human beings. While one anothering refers to building relationships, building community based on mutual respect in spite of our differences. Or to really get this, it seems to me that the default position most of us hold as human beings when it comes to how we think about and how we treat others is that if people are like us, you know, they they look like us, they think like us, they belong to our particular tribe, we consider those people to be one of us and we treat them as such or we one another them. But on the flip side of that, those people who are not like us, who don't think like us, who don't belong to our tribe, we not only see, but we treat them as other. This is just a natural part of what we do as human beings. Or to really see how this works, I want you guys to think back to the glory days, your high school career, right? Where everyone in school was basically broken up into a kind of category. You had the jocks, the the kids that were all about doing sports. You had the nerds, the kids who were all about doing well in school. The artsy kids, you know, they were made up of all the kids that did band and choir and all of that kind of stuff. Well, as you all know, what usually happened, regardless of what group that you belong to in high school, is that there were people whom you considered to be in because they were like you, while all those other kids who didn't fit into the category that you fit into, they were considered to be the others. They were the outsiders. Or, or for example, if you were part of the artsy crowd, then all the kids who were into that kind of stuff, they were in your group. They were on your team, while everyone else was considered to be an other, and you treated them that way. And yes, I know that is a gross generalization of what high school was all about. And yet, the truth is, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about because this was a part of your high school experience and is still a part of your life today. It's just a part of who we are as human beings. It shows up everywhere. But now that you're starting to get a sense of what it means to other and one another, let us now get into the revolutionary move that was made in the New Testament, starting with Jesus, where God begins to teach us that as Christians, One of the main things that's supposed to set us apart from everyone else is this command not to other, but to one another. Or instead of being a people who are about building up walls and trying to define who's in and who's out and going to war with all those people, we're being called to be a people who tear down those walls. And for me, the place I think we have to begin to start to see how God is calling us not to other, but to one another, is in the Gospel of John as Jesus is sharing his last supper with his disciples. Because what we find on a closer reading of this intimate event is that towards the very end of this meal, after Jesus has washed their feet and he tries to tell his disciples what's going to happen, and even after Judas betrays him, Jesus takes this as the moment to give his disciples a new command. Or this is what Jesus says in John 13, 34. He says, a new command I give you. And you guys have heard this. 
love one another. A new command I give you, love one another. And of course, what Jesus is getting at is he's telling his disciples what it looks like to follow him is not to other, but to one another. Specifically here, love one another. And remember, love as defined in the New Testament is not really based on any kind of feelings or how we feel towards people. It's actually the wanting and working towards the physical, mental, and spiritual well-being of others. Or love is not warm and fuzzy. It's not about a feeling. It's how we choose to live our lives. And yet, and yet, Jesus with that saying is just getting started. Because what he does next to help them to see what this kind of love really looks like by actually going beyond what he's already taught them and to love your neighbor as yourself is he adds this. As I have loved you, so must you love one another. As I have loved you, so must you love one another. Now, I know at first, because this is one of those scriptures that we've heard so many times, we don't quite get just how radical this kind of love is. But if you'll take just a moment and think about how Jesus actually went about loving others, what you're going to discover is that not only did Jesus spend his entire life working towards the spiritual, mental, and physical well-beings of everyone that he encountered, but Jesus also gave his life, his everything to save everyone, even those who rejected him. Which means the kind of love that Jesus has modeled for us is a sacrificial kind of love. It's the kind of love that's really all about helping others to thrive, even if it might cost us something. Or to give you the best picture that I know how to give, when I think about the love that I have for my girls, parents, you guys know what I'm talking about. Truth is, there's almost nothing that I wouldn't do to help them in a time of need. There's no place I wouldn't go. There's no amount of money that I wouldn't spend There's no stone I would leave unturned to do what it is that I need to help them stay safe and to go out and live into the best possible lives. Yeah, well, for me, I believe that's the kind of radical love that Jesus is calling us to live as his disciples. But not just with our family, not just with the people who are in our in-group, those people who are on a team, but I believe that's how we're being called to at least try to love everyone we encounter. And I know... For many people, when they read this particular teaching, they believe that because Jesus is just speaking to his disciples here, then that means what Jesus is really saying is that we should not choose or strive to love everybody in that way, but we should only love Christians in that way. And yet, for those of you who hold on to this particular interpretation, it's a popular one. Let me just remind you that not only did Jesus teach us to love our neighbors as ourselves, but he also teaches us to love our enemies. And that again, when you look at the cross, what you're going to find is that Jesus didn't just die for the people who he liked and cared about. No, Jesus showed his love by giving his life for every single person who has ever lived. So for me, it's quite clear that what Jesus is talking about here, it's not just for the people that we consider to be in or other Christians. The kind of love that God is calling us to share is the kind of love we're supposed to try to give to everyone. And yet, even given this radical teaching on love, and it should make you feel uncomfortable or you're not getting it, for me, the most powerful yet difficult verse in this short teaching is when Jesus closes with these words. And by this, everyone will know you are Christians. Excuse me. Everyone will know you are my disciples. If you love one another, everyone will know that you are my disciple if you love one another. Because what Jesus seems to be getting at here is if you're a Christian and you're doing it right, then the main thing that people will know you for 
or, or what in a sense should define every area of your life is not what you have accomplished. It's not how much money you make. It's not if you become famous or anything like that. No, what Jesus is saying is you should be known as someone who loves others as Jesus loved others. Or maybe to make this practical, what it looks like to be a Jesus follower, not only in high school, but in every other place in life, is that even when everyone else has broken themselves up into their different groups, one anothering those who are like them and othering those who are not as Christians, we are being called to see that every person truly is a child of God and should be treated as such. And yet, please know this kind of love that we're talking about here is not necessarily that warm and fuzzy, feel-good kind of love where anything goes. No, this really is the kind of love that not only accepts and cares for everyone it encounters, but it's also the kind of love that is able to speak hard truths into people's lives when it's needed. It's the kind of love that is able to stand up and call out injustice and evil for what it is. It's, it's, it's doing what needs to be done in the moment while at the same time never vilifying the person who holds that belief. Or just like Jesus stood up and fought against the religious leaders of his day, while at the same time forgiving them for everything that they had done. Remember, he says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's what it means. That's what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. And even more than that, as Christians, we should be so good at living in this way that they should know we are Christians by how we love. Which then begs the question of all of us, right? Not just for the church, but for us as individuals. What are we actually known for? What are we actually known for? Or to make this a bit more personal, I want all of you to take a moment and seriously ask yourself the question, what are you known for? What are you known for in the community, in your life? Or what do people think about when they hear your name? Is it your success? Is it something that you've accomplished? Is it what you do for a living? Is it what you look like? Are you known as one of those successful business people who's willing to do any and everything to succeed? Or even worse than that, are you known as one of those people that others should avoid because you're just not that nice? Come on now. I'm not going to point any fingers, but I've seen some curmudgeons out there. (laughs) Spot on, John. Spot on, brother. Whatever it is that you're known for, if it's not based on loving others, then you've got some real work to do. And the truth is, we've all got some work to do. And then to keep pushing on that same theme, as the first Christian church of Great Bend, Kansas, what are we known for? What do people think about when they think of this particular church? Are we known as the beautiful church that's on the corner of K96 and Great Bend with the uh, no drinking sign out front? You guys know what I'm talking about, right? So I have explained this to about, uh, I don't know, a thousand different people. This doesn't mean that we don't drink here. This is a cross with a chalice and not a no drinking sign. (laughs) Tell all your friends, tell all your friends so we don't get that confusing anymore. Are we known as a congregation that is reaching people of all ages? Or or like many other churches, are we seen by non-Christians as a bunch of hypocritical people who do nothing but judge everyone that doesn't belong to our religious club? What are we known for? Well, 
I think on one side of this, the way that many people see us as a church is that for the most part, we really are a people of love. We're the kind of people who are not only really good at taking care of one another, but we're the kind of congregation that's doing amazing things in this community and in the world. Those people get to experience that love. And yet on the other side of that, because so many Christians these days are not defined by their love, but by what they hate or what they're against. How many of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about? Collectively, we are not seen as a people of love but are actually being defined by the worst parts of the ch- that the church has to offer the world. And really to see this, all you have to do is look at some of the latest polls regarding what non-Christians think of Christians. Or according to a Barna Group survey, which was done in 2022, it revealed that less than half of non-Christians have a favorable impression of any religious group evaluated. Or that... Half of all non-religious people, those people that were really trying to reach out and help, they don't like us. They think that we're not good enough. Or even more than that, in another survey that was done by Ipsos, it found that non-religious Americans often perceive American Christians as hypocritical. 55% think that and judgmental 54%. And for me, what all of that puts into perspective regarding how well we're doing as a church collectively when it comes to one anothering is we're missing the point. (laughs) That better be Jesus. (laughs) We're not doing a very good job at loving one another as Jesus has loved us. Because clearly, as these surveys shows, the world has not figured out we are Christians by the way we love. So with all of that being said, it is my hope that during this season of Lent, which is a time of reflection when you're supposed to look inward to see what you can do to draw closer to God, that we'll take some time during this four-week series to not only examine ourselves, but to examine this church regarding how we're doing living out Jesus' command to love one another. And then in response to that, begin to work on becoming the kind of people who really are known for our love. Because the truth is, if we'll give ourselves to doing this, and I'm not just talking lip service, right? If we'll really give ourselves to doing this, this not only makes our lives better, but this is how we change the world for the better. This is how we make a true difference day in and day out in the little things by loving others. This, if you think about it, is a big part of what it looks like to bring heaven to earth in all that you do, inspiring ordinary people to live extraordinary lives for Christ. They'll know we are Christians by our love. Let us pray. Father, we come to you this morning, and as we start this sermon series, it is my hope that we will all begin to take a moment and think about what we're known for. What do people think about when they think about us? And if it's not something that is based on love, if it's not something that is based on wanting and working towards the physical, mental, and spiritual well-being of others, Lord, help us to change. Or help us to be the church that when everyone else is up against it and complaining and being defined by what they're against, help us to be the church that is defined by loving others as you have loved us. And then let us take that love, that love that you have given us, and go out and share it with the world so that they can have a chance of knowing you 
as well. Lord, we ask all of this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon, and we hope you are able to join us next week. To learn more about FCC Great Bend, visit us online at firstchristianchurchgb.com. Again, that's firstchristianchurchgb.com. God bless and have a great week.